Hi, and welcome to Quest, a vineyard church where we strive to live life as friends with faith through knowing God, loving others, and making a difference. If you're new, there will be information at the end of this podcast to help you plug in at Quest both in person and online. Now, let's dive into this week's teaching. So, uh, you guys must have been the blessed ones this morning. The first service people had to walk in in that downpour. And you, some, did you guys just pray more last night or something so you didn't have to do that? Actually, the joke, the first service was that, uh, the prayer people were saying, everybody, see, this is just a sign from God that everybody should come early at 8.15 for prayer because then you don't get rained on, right? So, glad to see you this morning. We're continuing our series today on, uh, on room to breathe. And in this series, we're talking about how we build margin, how we build rest, how we build recovery into our lives so that we don't just live busy lives, which our world pushes us to do, but we live life through the most important things and we live life having the important conversations in life, not letting them build up, having the important relationships really well tended to and having the important things about us living healthy and strong tended to in our life as well. And we last week we looked about the fact that Jesus had this intensely demanding schedule. I mean, just so many demands on his life. And yet, in the midst of that, he had these habits of regular rest and recovery because he felt like that was really important. And and, and what we saw out of the Scriptures last week, that that enabled him to face not only a life of high demand, but to face it from a tank that was full and overflowing instead of feeling like he was constantly tired, constantly running on empty. He faced it with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and with health and strength in who he was. And that's what we want. Two weeks ago, uh, when we had that unplanned service, you know, we found out we weren't going to have anybody lead worship and speak uh, three minutes before services and we had to figure out something. I talked to you from Hebrews 6. I want to revisit that verse just briefly this morning. It reads this way. It says, therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation. So he's talking to Jewish believers here in Christ, and he's saying, here is a list of the foundational habits that we need to have, the foundational ideas that we need to have built into our life in order to have just the basic core stuff done. And then he lists them, and he says, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death, and of faith in God, of instruction about cleansing rites, about the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And then he goes on and says, God permitting, we will lay this foundation and move on in our faith to even bigger things that God wants to do through our life. Now I want to talk just for a moment today more about the cleansing rites. I kind of glossed over that two weeks ago. What this really means is that he's talking to a bunch of Jewish believers. We don't know exactly what they did, but many of the Jewish believers translated some of the habits they had in worshiping God while they were a Jew into now habits and rituals that they used in worshiping Jesus. So they had these cleansing rites with the where they would go throughout the day or throughout the week different times. They would have these things that they would do, these tactile often rituals that they would do where they would take moments to examine life. They would take moments to make room for God to speak to them. They would take moments to focus on the important things in life and and repent of the things they'd done wrong and clean their heart from all the junk and be able to worship God from pure heart. 
And the habits were often actually were like washing themselves, and they would pray prayers and do things while they were washing themselves, or they'd offer incense, or they'd or they'd pray certain prayers, or they'd go through a certain outline, much like the Lord's Prayer that we talked about a little over a month ago, month six weeks ago or so. They would pray things like that. I think one of the things that's happened in the last 30 years, in particular in the American culture, especially in the American church, is that with some of the anti-institutionalism that's gone on, they also translated that into sometimes anti-ritual, anti-some of the habits. And maybe some of those things that you grew up, if you grew up attending a church that were that had lots of ritual, lots of habits that they would do, maybe some of those things needed to be done away with because they had just become something you did that had no meaning to you. They didn't help you connect to real relationship with God. And I understand that. But what this text is saying to us when it talks about cleansing rites is one of the foundations to a healthy, vibrant life and faith is habits, rituals, spiritual habits that we have, practices that we do to keep ourselves healthy and strong and whole, keep ourselves in a position to be able to connect with God on a regular basis. We need to have these patterns of life that we follow, these rhythms that Jesus teaches us and, and, and come up with what works for us in that. And habits don't really start, we don't usually start making habits by tackling the really big things all at once, right? We usually start by doing little things. It's kind of like when we were talking in the conversation series about learning to pray. We said that if you want to jumpstart your prayer, you don't necessarily start by trying to figure out how to pray for two or three hours at one time. Let's talk instead about all these, what do we call them, little shots of prayer. We use the term pray first, like before every transition, before you walk in the door from work, before you, before you walk in the door to work at the beginning of the day, before you take the next appointment, between appointments or at lunch, you, you build in these little, many little moments throughout the day, whether it's only five or ten seconds or whether it's a minute, where you turn your attention to God and you ask Him questions or you make room for Him to encounter you or you talk to Him about things. And the same is true when it comes to this idea of margin and recovery in our life. We need to start with things that are simple, easy adjustments to our life to build better habits. And I'm, I'm pleased to have the, today to, to invite Joe Simonette to the stage. Joe is our, our, um, our chairman of the elder board. He's also got a doctorate in psychology and spent uh, 30 years in the business world coaching people on human performance and what causes us to have the best in performance of and we were meeting a little over a month ago about some elder board business just talking about that. And, and then we started talking about life and work just as we were meeting over breakfast. And he started sharing some of the stuff that he's going to share with you today. And I looked at him and I said, about a week later, I came back to him and said, would you be willing to talk about that? Because he's going to talk about really practical things that science, the best of science and psychology has taught us about little things we can do to make sure we live at the full optimum ability. Because one of the things that happens when we don't pay attention to margin and recovery in our life is we start underperforming because we perform out of being tired. We perform out of an empty tank. And we and that, that only crucifies the ability for us to have margin because we're less efficient. And Joe's going to spend time talking to us today about some very practical things. So thank you, Joe. Thank you. Well, good morning. And thank you for letting me share with you some valuable things that have been shared with me over my career. I've been able to benefit from them myself, my family has, and uh, 
the organizations I've worked for have benefited. And I'm just pleased to be able to share it with my uh, fellow church members. I've been a psychologist for 30 years, as Ross mentioned, and I've, in that time I've uh, worked for some great leaders and with some great companies on high performance, which is, you know, helping people achieve goals that are beyond their current level of capability. And so that's what I understand. There are a couple of principles that help people achieve goals beyond their current capabilities. And the first is that people will do extraordinary things for a purpose they deeply care about. And in a church setting, I can say that that purpose that people deeply care about is God-given. So the purposes that you have in your life, work, and personal life, you will do extraordinary things for, you will transform yourself for if you connect to it and understand that it comes from God and it's worth serving. The second principle I've learned a lot that's really helped myself and, and other organiz- and organizations is that in pursuit of that purpose, when people stress themselves beyond their capacity, and that's the definition of stress, beyond your current capabilities and capacity, stretching yourself in pursuit of that higher purpose, if that's followed with the right kind of recovery, your capability grows to serve that purpose. It's called the principle of stress and recovery. So stretching yourself for good reason, not just reasons perhaps from your own ego or your own choosing or sin, but for good reasons, for God-given reasons, stretching your, your capabilities, following that with the right form of recovery, and you grow. Now, I want to illustrate this to you in a fun way with American Ninja Warrior. How many of you, confess this, how many of you have ever watched American Ninja Warrior? Oh, good. we got some real fans, enthusiastic ones that put their hands up there. Well, I'm a psychologist, and so I wonder, why do people watch this thing? Oh, it's obvious that within a, a period of a few minutes, the drama of life is displayed for us. They, they do it really well. First, they show you the competitor, and they do a backstory on them. So you get to care about them, or you get to hate them. And then they go through all the obstacles and they fall and you, you realize, well, yeah, people fall in their life and they still do okay. If I fall in my life, it'll be okay. This is a metaphor for life. And then some of the competitors get all the way through all the obstacles and achieve success. And that gives us encouragement that we can achieve success in our lives. And it just happens in an exciting way in front of us on television. We're sucked in and drawn into it. So I'm going to show you a two-minute clip of one of the female competitors. Uh, she's competing to become one of the first women ever to make it into the finals of American Ninja Warrior, the finals. And she's gone through all the very difficult obstacles that are physically demanding. And she's getting off the last obstacle and approaching the final one, which is the warped wall. The warped wall. Yes, it's this, this is this accelerating wall that curves up and it requires leg strength, agility, upper body strength to grab the top of it and get up there and slap the buzzer to make it to the finals. And just like real life, the clock is ticking. You can see it. She's only got so much time and she only gets three tries. So just like in life, we only have so many tries and we only get so many chances. What I want you to watch is not her tries so much. What's really important for us to learn here is the recovery part. 
Watch what she does in between, in between tries. Watch the different forms of recovery she quickly runs through. All right, she made it. Did you watch what she did in between attempts? Very important. All, everything we need to learn about recovery was demonstrated there. First of all, did you notice between attempts the... Two reasons, really important. Physical recovery and emotional recovery. Obviously, physical recovery, she's used up a lot of energy, and this is circulating her blood, reoxygenating it, bringing blood and glucose to every cell in her body, every muscle in her brain. If she ran too fast, even though the clock is ticking, if she did it too fast, she wouldn't make it as far up the wall. She needed to take time, the right amount of time to recover. That breathing also has a very important purpose, and we all need to practice it more often. It stimulates the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the opposite nervous system from the one that gets us fearful, the fight and fright one, the sympathetic one. So it shakes off the fright. It shakes off the fear, and we need to learn to shake off the fear in our lives. And then did you notice her face? She didn't get discouraged. She just simply, you know, reflected on exactly what she did. And she saw her, you know, just look around, get real focused, look at, look up at the, at the wall. She wasn't looking up to see if it was still there or if it got shorter. She's looking up, envisioning her running up. And while she's doing that, her brain at unconscious levels, the 95% of our brain that is non-conscious, is working to coordinate how she will get up in the wall and learning from the previous experience. So that kind of reflection is important. And then when she needed it, she turned to the other people for spiritual encouragement. So all four forms of recovery we're going to talk about and need to do well at in our lives in order to take on the challenge of our lives are there. The physical, the emotional, the mental, and the spiritual. Now I want to check because uh, I've made the assumption that if we're going to learn about stress and recovery, that you have some stress in your lives. So let me check. Either in your personal life and or your work life, raise your hand if you feel challenged a little bit beyond your current level of capability and capacity. That's the definition of stress. Raise your hand if you do. Okay, everyone qualifies. Well, if there weren't, We'll talk more about people who don't feel stressed and the necessity of stress, because without stress, there is no growth. Yes, with stress, stimulates growth. Recovery is when growth actually happens. Now, when I work with leaders, they want growth in their business. They want to reach their goal in the following way, just a straight line up to success over time, high performance. But the way it really works is like this. This is the way it works in all aspects of life. In the Bible, no one actually did it this way. They did it this way, if not even more securitous. I want to look really closely at what's happening because it's very important. It's a, it's a God-given design in which we grow. If we take that big goal, that purpose we have in our life, and if we break it into little goals, steps along the way, that stretch us just a little bit, that, that stretch our capability, that stimulates the growth, and we follow it with the right recovery, we grow our capability to take on the next level goal. Stretches us more, stresses us a little bit more, recovery, grow to a higher goal, and we eventually achieve the purposes and goals we have in our lives. That's how it works. You've got to manage both sides of this curve well. 
Now, you've experienced this in your own lives. Uh, how many of you have ever weight trained or done aerobic training or dance? People know? Most everybody has tried that. Well, so when you were weight training or running or doing something aerobic, you were stressing your muscles and your aerobic capacity. When did that capacity actually grow? While you were stressing it? While you were resting or sleeping the following evening? When did it grow? In rest. While you were sleeping. Because it can't grow while you're stressing. That's the stimulus to growth. That's stimulating the muscles uh, and and the, the cells that they need oxygen. So... Stress is a good thing if it's done on purpose, if it's done for a higher purpose, a God-given purpose. And we have to be really good about the recovery. Now, this holds not only for physical stuff. It holds for the most valuable of human qualities, things like caring, love, compassion, passion, courage, listening. All the great human qualities that you want to be able to achieve the things that God has given you to achieve in your life are grown in the same way in the brain. Because the brain is physical and it's subject to the same principles that the rest of our body is. Uh, this is a representation of some research that demonstrates this on taxicab drivers in London. Now London, the background is the London streets. Very complicated, ancient city complex streets, complex traffic flows, a very crowded city with flows of traffic that differ by time of day. It's a lot for a cab driver to learn to be able to be successful there. They go through three years worth of training. Yeah. And so after three years of training, neurologists did brain scans of the taxicab drivers using functional MRI. And they found that the part of the brain that makes memory, that was really stressed in this training had enlarged, called the hippocampus. It was larger. The same thing goes on in your brain if you manage the stress and recovery. If you are trying to learn empathy, if you are trying to learn patience in order to succeed in that family or work situation, the exposure to it, if followed by recovery, will in your brain will form new circuitry. It will actually grow the parts responsible for those human qualities. So it all works this way. Now, you won't take on the challenges in life, nor the challenges of putting the right recovery in your life, because believe me, that's going to be hard. We're going to get to that. It requires discipline. You won't do those two things unless you have a higher purpose, a purpose worth doing it for. And this don't make purpose mysterious. Uh, we could spend a, a whole time on purpose. But I'm just going to say recognize that there's purpose in your life this afternoon and tomorrow. If you're in a family, that has something to do with God's purpose for you. If you're a student, go to school. Developing yourself has something to do with God's purpose for you. If you go to work, that has something to do with God's purpose for you. If you live in a community, there is some purpose in that for you. If you live in a neighborhood, if you encounter people, there is purpose for you all the time. And it's all challenging. Okay. Now, we have to be able to see God's purpose in those challenges. Otherwise, they just become stress. Otherwise, 
we get scared at them. Otherwise, we won't do the right recovery to support us getting better at that stress. We'll just avoid it. And I want to give you an example of what I mean by finding stress in challenge. Maybe a challenge that you didn't even you know, want to have in your life, but it's there. God didn't necessarily put it there. Somebody else's choices or it just happened. But God can help you find purpose in that. Devon and Leah Still won the ESPY Award two weeks ago for uh, persistence. And Devon Still, you'll recognize this story, is the Cincinnati Bengals football player whose daughter was four at the time when she contracted cancer, very fierce form of cancer. And he's, I'm going to show two minutes out of his speech where he talks about where he almost lost faith in this. And he, in other parts of the speech, he talks about where he almost turned to alcohol. But instead, he found purpose in fighting cancer, found purpose in it. Here he is. You know, when my, my daughter was first diagnosed with cancer, I felt like I was in a nightmare. I remember the first week in the hospital, I would sneak out the room and I would go down to the chapel and I would just cry. I would just ask God, why did he give my daughter this fight? And I would beg him to give me the fight with death rather than my daughter. The way I looked at it was, I was blessed with the ability to play football. And by the age of 26, I was able to experience things people don't in their entire life. And at the age of four, my daughter hadn't even begun to understand what life was all about. I remember one night in the hospital, and I was sitting next to her in her bed getting ready to go to sleep. And out of nowhere, she just started touching her stomach and putting something in mine. And I looked down at her and I asked her, like, Leah, what are you doing? And she looked up to me and said, Dad, I'm taking the cancer out of me and I'm giving it to you. When she said that, you know, my heart dropped. And I broke down in tears. It wasn't tears of sadness. It was tears of joy because I thought that was a sign from God that he was answering all my prayers. We met with the doctors a couple days later to get the results of her test. And I couldn't wait to see the disbelief on the doctors' faces when they saw my daughter didn't have cancer. But when they opened their mouth... (laughs) When they opened their mouth... They didn't say that they didn't find cancer. They told our family that the cancer had spread all throughout my daughter's body. And I was crushed. You know, it was at that moment that I realized we had two options. We could have lost faith and just let this battle with cancer get the best of us. Or I could give my daughter's battle with cancer a purpose and use my platform to try to raise as much awareness as possible. Okay. I don't believe, nor does he believe, that God gave his daughter cancer. But God helped him find purpose in it. Romans 8.28. In all things, not just anything, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So however this challenge came to you or came to him, he can find purpose in getting out of it. And they found purpose in it. And they've been thriving ever since. They've been inspiring others to bring attention, support, funding, to families suffering from cancer, to little girls, little boys, to families supporting them. They're doing great work. Now, her life may be shortened by cancer. I don't know. But I know one thing. Neither of them will fail in that God-given purpose. She will not fail to be a loving daughter. He will not fail to be a caring father. And they will inspire us all. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him and are called to his purpose. So in our lives, fortunately right now, 
Hopefully we're not threatened in that way. But we have callings. And we have to recognize that there is purpose for us in it. Because as soon as we recognize that, that shifts our thinking. It shifts our whole approach. It shifts our feelings about it. And we can use our energy in the right way. And we can put the discipline in place to recover. So, I have polled you all about whether you had stress in your lives. And you said that you did. So I want you to reflect now on what kind of stress. Where are your capacities being stretched further? And I want you to think in terms of four kinds of capacities. Four forms of energy. Is it, Are you undergoing physical stress? Emotional? Mental? Or spiritual? Okay. Physical is the amount of our energy. It's whether our tank is full or empty. Can we take on all the rest of it? And we really need it because we build our energy from the bottom up, from the physical up. If we don't feel, um, you know, vital physically, it's hard to be in a very good mood. It's hard to be tolerant and patient with people. It's hard to be optimistic. And if we can't be that way, we can't focus very well. And if we can't focus very well, we can't use our, our mental energy very well. And if we can't do that, we can't connect to the best within us, our values and the Holy Spirit. We can't be physically energetic. So we build from the bottom up. We change from the top down. We change for spiritual reasons. Values, purpose-based, God-given reasons cause us to make changes in our life to take on the challenge and to take on the recovery required to do it. Now, so think of that stress that you have in your work and or personal life. And I want you to think about which of these are stressed most. And I want to do a little poll here. You get two votes. You get to vote for for um, two different forms of energy here. Raise your hand if you're most stressed physically. Two. Is it a couple? Three? Four? All right. So physical stress in your life. How about emotional? Raise your hand. Woo. A lot more. Get a lot of votes for emotional. Okay. Put your hands down. How about mental? Uh, a lot of mental too. How about spiritual? Okay, more spirit. You're, you are like most of the groups of people I speak with in business. Our lives aren't as much physical anymore, though there is some physical stress, and some of you have significant physical stress. It's more emotional, mental, and spiritual. So I'm going to recommend the best forms of recovery for you to focus primarily on the emotional, mental, and physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, and some physical. And the number one God-given routine, not routine, discipline for recovery of those is sleep. Yes. Joe, that's boring. Sleep? I came here to find out I need to sleep more? Yes. It's the number one form of emotional, mental, physical, spiritual recovery. Why? I'll explain real quick to try to sell you on sleep. Because we go through five sleep cycles a night, and almost everyone here needs to sleep at least six to nine hours, some of you. Some of you undergoing great stress or teenagers, more than nine hours. So that you get those five sleep cycles in. And I'll show you what I mean by five sleep cycles. This is a chart here. These are the stages of sleep. These are the hours of the night. This is a seven-hour example. There's one, two, three, four, Five valleys here where you go into a very deep sleep. And they're followed by the famous REM, rapid eye movement, dream state. Your mind and body needs those in order to recover and actually build your capability to a higher level. 
Yeah, the first half of the night is mostly about physical recovery. So you can wake up after six hours and feel pretty good. Okay, I can get by with less sleep, no problem. Because you have physically recovered for the most part. But mentally, no, you're not there. You've skipped some important sleep cycles because it takes all five sleep cycles for your brain to do the following work. It has to process information from the previous day because it had a lot of stimulation. And even more importantly, it's at night when the circuits grow. If you want to be more compassionate, more intelligent, more loving, more caring, a better listener, that growth happens at night. The nerves send out dendrites. This is when the growth happens in your brain. So if you want to learn, if you want to develop those capabilities, those high character traits, you've got to sleep and get through all five sleep cycles. Now, many of us cut sleep eh, just by an hour, no problem, you know. Well, if you cut sleep, you lose that last, oh, out of laser? I, I bore out my laser, no. Okay, you lose that last sleep cycle. You don't get it. Say you do that as a habit. Do that five days in a row. That's like losing a whole night of sleep. And you know how you are when you've lost a whole night of sleep. How are you energetically if you haven't slept a whole night? Not very energetic. How are you emotionally? Are you really great to be with? Mentally sharp? Spiritually connected? No. So if you, if you do this and you, you miss an hour of sleep, you miss that sleep cycle, that's the condition you will be in at the end of the week. And you might not feel it. Because it's come on gradually. You won't feel it. You've done it. You won't feel it. But everybody around you knows it. And even more sadly, perhaps, if you've done it as a habit, everybody around you doesn't know it. That's all they've learned to expect from you. So there's my case for sleep. Sleep may be the, the main thing that you need to focus on. Highly worthy. To serve God's purpose, you might need to sleep more. Yeah, you have that point. Okay, number two, exercise. Joe, sleep and exercise? Oh my goodness, I didn't come here for that. No. Exercise, number two form. We need the physical stimulation. Some of you said you need to grow your energy. You need to stimulate yourself physically. Rest, sleep, recover, and you will grow your, your physical capacities. But <clears throat> there's even... Um, emotional and mental reasons for exercise. Just as important. You get it, in other words, you get a three for one. It's like three for one at retail, we would be all over it. We should be all over exercise. So number one is the physical stimulation. Number two, emotional recovery. When you exercise, you have to let go of what you're grasping onto that's got you down. You step back a little bit from it and you gain perspective really needed to see it differently and approach it differently. Third, you generate endorphins, make you feel better, makes your brain work better. So it's a three for one on exercise. Now, I won't go into the details of exercise because it has to be appropriate for your level of fitness and regular. That's what exercise is. Challenging for your level of fitness and regular. But there are many people in this community who can help you with it, even in our church. Um, Bob Price, um, Bob Rice, sorry, and Carly and uh, Mike Price are all certified physical trainers and they can advise you. If, if you've said, yeah, I've tried exercise, I really have failed at it, I'm not any good at it, Bob's your man. <laughs> he can help you. He can, he can help you get into it. He's done it with many people. Okay, 
So, number three form of recovery we have to get into our lives if we want to serve God's purpose for us is Jordan Spieth. No. He's my poster man for that form of recovery, which is positive social interaction. Now, I don't know if you know Jordan Spieth. He's right now the world's best golfer. He's won the Masters, the U.S. Open, and he just missed getting into a playoff to win the British Open. The best in the world. Here's how he won the Masters. He led all four rounds. This is very difficult to do because when you lead, you tee off last and all the best players converged on Augusta to Georgia. They all go off before you, score better than you, and then you have to tee up and go out and beat all the best in the world. And he did that three days in a row. Pressure. So how did he recover to do that? Did he just hit, hit more golf holes, more golf holes, more golf holes? No. I'm sure he practiced. But when he left the golf course, he left it all behind. He rented a house in Augusta, Georgia, where he stayed with his parents, his brother, his girlfriend, and his grandparents. And he had two rules. When they left the golf course and they went home, number one rule was no talking about golf. He's leading the most exciting golf tournament in the world. Everybody's talking about it, and his rule is no talking about it. Tough. I told you these disciplines would be tough. Number two rule. No watching golf on any electronic devices because everybody else in the world is talking about it. Those were his two rules. Well, what do you do instead of that? Well, he played cards with his family and he played ping pong. And even probably most importantly, he talked with his special needs sister by phone. She couldn't make the golf tournament, couldn't join them because of her special needs. So when he spoke with her, she didn't really understand leading the Masters golf tournament. But what she cared about was that he was having fun. And most importantly, he was talking to her. And Jordan says that that is great recovery for him because it makes him humble in a really good way. Talking with her causes the Masters golf tournament to totally lose its grip. It's irrelevant in that moment. See, because Jordan Spieth is a man of purpose. His purpose isn't to hit a white ball into a little hole. That's what he does. It's not why he does it. With all of us, what we do isn't why we do it. Why we do it is the purpose. Why he does it is to inspire people, especially to inspire people to support special need children like his sister. He has a foundation. And he says that he wants his achievements off the golf course to be far greater than those on the golf course. Well, imagine as this kind of champion, how good a fundraiser and how good he is at attracting attention to special needs children. Wonderful complementarity between what he does and his purpose. So, positive social interaction. Essential. One more quick story. Uh, I worked at the Coca-Cola company. The brand manager on Diet Coke was a woman. And... She firmly believed in positive social interaction outside of work with people other than who she worked with. Strong advocate for it. I asked her why. She said, because at work there's a lot of stress on me. A lot of people argue with me, second-guess me. I have to advocate strongly. I put myself out there on the limb deciding what to do with Diet Coke, one of the biggest, the biggest product for the Coca-Cola company. Said, if I don't have people 
in my life who I know I can go back to who will love me no matter whether I screw up or not at work. I can't handle it at work. I can't handle the pressure. I can't perform well at work unless I know I've got those people supporting me. Now, if your work is in the home, you need people outside the home that love and support you that you can talk to. Your small group, the small group meeting, or maybe call them and talk with them. But you need other people who care about you no matter whether you screw up or do well. Last form of recovery, very important for mental and emotional recovery, is reflection. And you can do it by reading the Bible, but not just reading. It's very important. I'll show you in a moment. Very important that you sit back and reflect on what it means for the challenges of your life right now. You can journal about it. I highly recommend journaling because the writing of the words exercises your mind. Paul also wrote that we'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I'll show you exactly how that happens. But writing causes you to choose the words carefully and it starts to build those circuits, stimulate those circuits. If you don't have time for those, you are often like me driving in the car and you've driven the route home from work or to work many times and you can do it unconsciously. So you can reflect there. Because when we reflect, we learn how to better express ourselves, more fully express ourselves for the purposes God gives us. We can only do that by reflecting on how we've been in those challenges to our purpose so that we can make changes and literally literally transform ourselves through renewing our mind. It looks like this. Brain waves. Uh, These are beta waves. This is how our brain looks right now. When you're thinking, or if you're a little bit scared, it's the same brainwave. It's, it's very dominant, loud, dominant thoughts, like waves of the ocean coming at you quick and strong. You have to quiet your mind, quiet it down so you get brainwaves look like this. These are not sleep. These are alpha waves. These are waves when you're quietly reflecting. These are the waves that, that you experience when you have your best ideas. By the way, Whatever you, where do you get your best ideas? When you're really trying hard or when you're relaxed? Most people say they get their best ideas in the shower or while running or going for a walk. It's because you're in that relaxed state of mind when you can hear the subtle connections being made in your brain. And most of all, you can then connect with the Holy Spirit, the person of God within you. You can't do it on those big dominant waves. You're thinking too loud. When they get to be like a more slow ocean, then there's time in between the waves to hear from the person of God, for your brain to make a unique connection, for you to behave differently. And when you get that aha, your brain immediately goes into these gamma waves. These are ultra-high frequency waves associated with spiritual thought and associated with the brain making a novel connection so that you can behave differently. So reflection, that's the fourth form. Now, I'm going to give you a, a technique for rapid recovery. You know, um, Ross talked about praying unceasingly, praying at opportunistic moments when you're really going to enter into a challenge. I learned this technique from the Human Performance Institute. Human Performance Institute is a bunch of scientists and performance psychologists who've been there for about 30 years, and they're the most famous at coaching professional athletes in the world. They've coached 16 number one in the world tennis players. So if you want to be a highly competitive tennis player, you go there, and they make you learn and work on your purpose for days. And then they teach you techniques like I'm going to share with you. And 
uh, I'll tell you a quick story. They discovered this in the 80s when they were coaching tennis players and there was all, you know, television was all over tennis. And so there was all these videotapes of the best in the world. And so they got researchers to look at all the videotapes to say, hey, we want to study the top in the world versus maybe the top 40, 50. We want to compare the good with the very best and find out the difference. We're sure it's in some way in the mechanics, right? So they study all these videos of the best in the world and the almost the best in the world. There's no difference. In fact, the best in the world aren't always as good as the 40th and 50th. But in the critical points, the best in the world are always the best in the world. Why is that? And they watched and they went, oh, it's what they do in between points that makes the difference to performance. At that level, it's not about learning tennis more. At that level, it's about bringing out the best within you. They noticed that between points, the worst would like, like this, you know, kind of like we stomp around between challenges in our life. The best in the world would do that deep breathing to shake off the emotions of it. And they would quiet their mind, like I spoke about. And they would reflect on something that they had pre-prepared themselves to do. And they would focus on that. And then their eyes were up, ready to receive, serve, and that. They taught them how to do this in 16 seconds. You have 28, actually. But they want to stress you to do it faster. So we're going to spend 30 seconds, or less, with me teaching this technique that you can use anytime you're entering into that challenge in your life. So with me, I want you to think of one of the challenges you're faced with in your life. Maybe this afternoon, tomorrow, but it's one that's coming up really quick. It could be a simple challenge with a child or a teenager or your spouse, or it could be um, your team at work, your boss at work, but it's coming right up. I want you to recall that challenge. What's it going to be? What's the challenge going to be? And I want you to breathe deep with me. Take in a deep breath and let it out. Okay, take in another deep breath and let it out. And one more, and then I want you to look down, look down at the floor or the back of the chair where you won't be distracted, and I want you to visualize that challenge in your mind. You know, see the person that you're going to engage with. See the situation that you're going to be in. And I want you to ask the best within yourself, all your values and wisdom, and most of all, the Holy Spirit, to answer this question for you. What do I really want here? What do I care about for the people involved? For myself? For them? For the outcome? What do I really care about here? And I want you to start visualizing yourself responding with that care, with that form of care. Could be listening, could be the courage to speak up, could be compassion. I want you to put a name on that way of responding, that way of being, so that you can remember it. I'm going to take a deep breath and I want you to look up. Okay, less than 30 seconds. That's what all the best in the world do between points in tennis. Serena Williams here doing it at Wimbledon. It's what professional golfers do before shots. You think they spend all that time actually lining up the shot? No, it's a ritual. 
they, they, line up, they can line up a lot quicker. It's a ritual that gets them in the best place to recall the best way to swing for that shot. You have challenges every few hours in your life. If you can remember to take a few deep breaths, recall how you want to be in that challenge, focus on that, you will be in a state of grace. You will have the Holy Spirit with you. Okay. So those are the forms of recovery I have to share with you. Quick review. So people will do extraordinary things in their life for causes they care about. God-given purposes. And you need to care about something a great deal in order to take on the challenges required to stimulate growth and to put the disciplines in your life to grow from the challenges. All you have to do for now is just pick one of those recovery disciplines that will help you with the challenges you have in your life. So Ross is going to come up and help us with that. And all through the, the music, I want you to be thinking of what's that challenge? Hear from the Holy Spirit. On. Thank you, Ross. Man. I asked Joe just to be really pr- practical this morning because one of the things I love is how science proves what Scripture says. God created us for rhythm. He asks us for rhythm, and that's when we learn to have the right kind of habits, right kind of rhythm, we live really healthy and we live really well. I mean, if you read Proverbs, if you read Psalms, all throughout the Bible, God talks about he wants us to have good sleep. He talks about the fact that he wants us to have good habits of meditation. And all throughout the Bible, we see him teaching his people to have different rituals, different habits that we do throughout the day to help us make room for him. I mean, I just even this last week applied this with my with with my son on the way to a soccer game. That that basically he wanted to try to make some gains in some areas. So I, I just on the way to the game, I said, okay, so I want you to try this habit all through. Every time the whistle blows, every time there's a break, and you're walking in the game, what's the two most important things you need to focus on today to do what you need to do? And then I added one to it because I've added this to my life on a regular basis. So I want you to add one. I want you to think about the pleasure that God has for you in this moment. And I actually quoted, how many of you remember Chariots of Fire? Uh, Chariots of Fire, there's a scene, he's an Olympic athlete, where his, his sister's challenging, because he knows he's called to the mission field one day, and his sister says, we should give up running right away and go to the mission field. And his response, everybody remember it? Who saw the movie is, God made me fast, and I sense his pleasure when I run. God made you with talents, with abilities, with things, and you can sense his pleasure when you do those things. So I said, deep breathe so you don't face the next moment in the soccer with anxiety. You focus, with, you, you, you focus on it with a sense of confidence that God is for you. He has pleasure in this moment. And you know the two things I need to demonstrate today. That's one simple thing. One of the things God's been speaking to me about is more meditation. And I, I driving, uh, driving around in town, I, used to, I, I like the snarky guys in 97.1. I like listening to them. But God's been challenging me to drive around with silence more. Maybe that's your application today. Creating a few moments in your life where you can have some silence, where you can reflect, you can take some time and maybe begin journaling. Where is it that God's speaking to you? Maybe you're one of these people that burns the candle at both ends and says, I can't get everything done unless, and I can't be successful in my job unless I stay up late and get up early and you're not sleeping enough. And God, I think, would want to say to you today, do you trust me? 
that I called you to this job, I called you to this place, and I want you to live with a full tank, not on empty all the time. So let's just take a moment and pause, and I want you to all ask the Holy Spirit, which one of these, let's not take a bunch, which one of these do I need in my life right now? Do I need to focus on? Holy Spirit, just come and speak to each one of us to lead us into the kind of margin, the kind of energy, the kind of wholeness you want us to live in. Let God speak to you. Lord, thank you that you are a God who created all of who we are. You created our physical being. You created our relationships. You created our emotions. You created that spiritual element to us and that you want every area of our life to live in abundance. So Lord, would you lead us in all the practical ways and all the mystical ways and all the ways in between, would you lead us to experience that abundance that you want us to have in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you continue to worship? And here's the message for today. He wants to save us physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. He wants us to thrive in every area of our lives. And to do that, we've got to establish good rituals, good habits that make room for him to empower us every single day to be the gifts that he created us to be to this world. That's the call today. Lord, we're just so grateful that you care about every aspect of our lives and that you speak practically to us about it. Lord, I pray that you'd bless us now, even as we give of ourselves, of the blessings you've already given us. Lord, would you continue to teach us to walk more and more in all the blessings you have for us financially, mentally, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, in every area of our lives and our bodies. Lord, would you teach us to receive your blessing and to give out of that to other people, out of full tanks, Lord, that we would no longer be people who live just trying to get by on energy or emotion or finances, but that we would trust you in your ways and we would learn to live blessed lives and lives that are able to be a blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon audio. If you are loving Quest podcast, let us know on Facebook or Twitter by using the hashtag GoToQuest. For more information about Quest, who we are and what we do, or if you would like to help support Quest financially, please visit us at gotoquest.org. That's G-O-T-O-Quest.org.